You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Khan Bayazit. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 57 of the Black Eagles podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City, as always. Today, we have another special episode. As you've all been warned, today we're going to deep dive into our newest Black Eagle, Shinji Kagawa. Khan Bayazit, my usual co-host, has procured yet another illustrious guest. Today, we're going to have Dan Orlowitz on the show. Dan writes for the Japan Times and JT Sports. Uh, He lives and works in Tokyo, in Japan, and I suppose he's what one would consider an expert in all things related to football in Japan, Japanese football, uh, European football with Japanese players in it, whatever whatever you might want to define it as, he knows of it. Uh, and so Khan was lucky enough to get him on this episode. So he's going to go into detail about Shinji Kagawa, uh, his perception in Japan at the moment, uh, people's perception of the club, um, his move to the club and all of that kind of goes into great length, I think. Uh, you'll have to excuse us uh, for the length. As such, it is a very long episode. I, I'm gonna, I am doing my best in post to trim it so it's a little bit more perhaps palatable, I guess we could say. But anyway, it's an honor to have Dan on the show. And I didn't want to trim too much because... Everything he says is uh, it's news to us. So, in the, in the way of keeping our listeners the most informed wing of the Besiktas Twitterverse or uh, universe, even uh, yeah, I without further ado, present to you Dan Orlowitz and Khan Bayazit for our special Shinji Kagawa episode. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to the Black Eagles podcast. Today we're talking about Shinji Kagawa with the Japan Times' own Dan Orlowitz. Dan, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us, Dan, uh, and for doing this, of course. Uh, before we get a more into Kagawa, maybe tell people a little bit about yourself. You're um, working for the Japan Times since the beginning of the season. What's your function in there at uh, the Japan Times? 
Uh, yeah, I joined in August of 2018 uh, as on the sports desk, um, basically the main football writer and uh, helping to put together uh, the sports section uh, basically every week and uh, sharing Japanese sports with the world because we have a lot of it coming up. Uh, the Rugby World Cup later this year, the Olympics next year, uh, Olympics and Paralympics, I should say, and uh, all that sort of good stuff. So I covered the J-League, uh, Japan's national team, and uh, basically football in any interesting form that happens to show up on my radar. Yeah, and of course people can follow you on Twitter, and I think most people who follow Japanese football and and don't speak Japanese but do speak English probably already do <laughs> so uh, you covered the World Cup I think as well in the summer and of course the Asia Cup recently uh, that only just finished right uh, yeah I wasn't unfortunately I, I wasn't uh, in on location at, at either tournament uh, just uh, it's very difficult to get mm -hmm. uh, World Cup uh, credentials uh, within the Japanese media, even though uh, Japan actually uh, and regularly sends one of the largest contingents in the world uh, to the World Cup. Uh, I believe that this year they sent about 100 or 150 uh, members of the media. That includes writers, uh, photographers, and, and TV crew. And I, I believe the only uh, the only countries that send more photographers were England and Brazil, if I remember my notes from the, uh, the briefing at the time. So uh, it, it's tough competition. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that I couldn't make the Asian Cup this year. I actually went to uh, the 2015 edition in Australia four years ago and had a blast. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it, it's been a busy year for the national team and uh, all that stuff, and it, especially as we are in the middle of a rebuilding sort of cycle. Yeah, and we saw, of course, Japan reached the final of the Asia Cup and unfortunately lost 3 nothing to Qatar. Um, but one of the big names that was absent was, of course, Shinji Kagawa. He was not at the Asia Cup with Japan. Uh, Yuto Nagatomo of Galatasaray was there. Um, you might want to redo that because it was three one was the final. Three one. Oh my. my yeah. God. Yeah. Okay. J J Japan was the first team to score against Qatar in the tournament. Okay. Yeah, that's no problem. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah. Just, uh, so the the score line was three one and not three yeah. nil as I had uh, thought. I I tuned out at three nil. That's probably why I <laughs> thought that. Um, it, was actually, it was pretty close. It was actually it was, it was two nil at the end. Of the first half, and then it was two one, and then it was three one. I think at, th at three one, we all knew it was it was over. But um, no, it was full credit to Qatar. They were an incredible team and absolutely deserved it. It's really surprising for me that they. Uh, I mean, Japan kind of is the, the the biggest team in in Asia, at least as the perception I think with in Europe. And of course, South Korea had that 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 that. that upcoming uh well they had an amazing world cup in 2002 where japan did well as well of course um but but japan is kind of the mainstay when it comes from the asian continent uh if we're not uh, counting australia uh that always tends to do well at, at tournaments so i was very surprised to see that qatar ended up winning um but kagawa that's what we're here to talk about and he wasn't Absolutely. at the asia cup 
Do you think that at age 29, almost 30, he's going to turn 30, 30 years old in, in March? Do you see him still having a big role for the Japanese uh, squad going forward? Should he uh, regain his form, play regular football at Besiktas or elsewhere, for example? If he does get his mojo back, uh, I can see him getting back into the thick of things. Uh, the problem is that he's really been... In, in terms of his national team form, uh, he was very inconsistent, uh, with the exception of the World Cup itself last summer. Mm -hmm. uh, it was sort of, we were not expecting good things at all from uh, Kagawa. And there was actually a, a fair to reasonable expectation that he would miss the tournament entirely. Uh, until Vahid Halajic got fired as head coach and until Akira Nishino uh, named his squad of 23, we weren't actually sure if he would be selected. And there were some injury issues and that sort of thing. Uh, to answer your question more directly, yeah, if he gets his uh, sense of the game back, if he gets more playing time in, in Turkey and either he stays with uh, Bejiktas or goes to another European club, I think that he can play an important role as the elder statesman. Uh, I'm not sure that I want to see him in uh, the starting role, but I think that he would be great as you know a 60th or 70 minute, 70th minute uh, super sub, that sort of thing. Uh, just because I do feel, uh, in terms of Japan's national team. Uh, if you look, we, we basically had the same team for two straight cycles. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the cycle that began after the 2010 World Cup uh, under Alberto Zaccaroni went to the World Cup in Brazil. And then uh, Vahid sort of tried to force a generational change and he didn't quite get it to work. And then in the end, uh, Nishino just took sort of a patchwork that included a lot of the trusted veterans that he knew as technical director to Russia, and it worked, but you do still need to, to bring in the youth and put in the fresh blood, and uh, you know, the, the good players need to retire at some point. That's just sort of how it is. So I think if Kagawa wants to, he can still make an impact for the national team, but... I don't think that he should necessarily be the the star of the team like he and Keisuke Honda were, were uh, for these last seven or eight years. Yeah, and of course, there's new rising stars on the horizon with, uh, you already mentioned him, uh, did you mention him off air or since I started recording, I think you mentioned him off air, but uh, Shoya Nakajima, who of course I just think made a huge move to, to Qatar, if I'm not mistaken, for $35 million. Uh, if I I think that that news trickled in the other day that he moved to Qatar, and I was very shocked by that. I thought he was going to... Yeah, okay, th there's some weirdness there, because mm -hmm. th there were uh, some rumors that uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers were going to try to sign him. I believe that uh, they weren't willing to pay what Port Monense were mm -hmm. offering. And, of course, a rich Qatari club is yeah. usually going to have enough money to you, pay whatever they want. The same owners uh, as Paris Saint-Germain, so there might be some uh, possibility. Yeah, there. there, there's some rumors that the, this whole thing is for half a year and then he'll be moved on to Paris. But then again, the, the question is, would he be 
uh, you know, would, would he have a good shot at the starting lineup, or would he just be playing second fiddle to Neymar? Uh, yeah. It's tough. I wasn't at all impressed with Nakajima's recent blog post where he said that he's more, you know, he wants to enjoy his career and have fun on the pitch, and he wants to live, be able to live somewhere that he feels comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, look, when when one of the most anticipated young stars of the current national team generation says that he isn't super uh, fixated on playing in the UEFA Champions League, that's a bit of a red flag. Uh, so we're going to have to wait to see. They've only got about seven or eight games left in the season. So I don't know. Uh, it's all a bit suspicious, and if he just, if he's decided to cash in on a promising, a very promising career for a, a payday that will set him up for the rest of his life, uh, it's a loss for the national team, and that's really all you can say. Uh, but I mean, we still have Ritsu Doan, we still have Takami Minamino. Kamada, who's been impressive in Belgium. Daiji Kamada, we've got, you know, Takahiro Tomoyasu, Tom- Tomoyasu. Uh, you know, the, the, the center back who's also uh, playing with Kamada in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot of promising youngsters rising up, but uh, coming up with a really strong attack has always been one of Japan's biggest challenges. When Kagawa, Honda, and Okazaki were on top of their game, uh, they were just on fire and it was unbelievable and they could do some really awesome things. But when they didn't have that confidence, uh, which Kagawa frequently lacked, uh, especially in the last two years or so of the national yeah. team. And at Dortmund. Uh, and at Dortmund, uh, they, they just couldn't get it together. So it, it's the problem with Japanese players that they tend to run very hot or very cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there's some probably some cultural pressure there. There's... Yeah, I think any footballer will deal with the same sort of issues, uh, but with Kagawa especially, uh, he's never quite... I, I think that in some ways the Manchester United move broke him, and the pieces went back together, but they never quite fit as well. Yeah, yeah. I was actually speaking to my good friend Sinan uh, Schwarting, of course, a co- my co-host on the podcast here, and and he lived in Japan for uh, for I believe a, a year. Okay. Uh, so he's he's really big on Japan. He's he was super thrilled with this Kagawa move. We were both really uh, hoping for this at, in in the summer. Uh, I myself, I, I have to say, I, I fell completely in love with the Japanese national team at the World Cup. Uh, as you know, I'm from Belgium, so when I was actually watching the, the Japan-Belgium match, and when Belgium scored a 3-2, believe it or not, I was sitting there in, in this... I have never experienced this in my life before, where I I couldn't be happy because I felt so bad for the Japanese national team, because they were so good in that match, and they didn't deserve to lose it. And... Um, I don't know. It was really, really, really f- weird feeling how torn I was uh, when I when that goal went in. Just because I don't know. I wasn't so impressed with Japan in the group stages, especially not the first game. I think, um, but then that match against Belgium and and I think their third group stage game. I believe they were really impressive too. And just the the work ethic and and all of that. Japan is such a, a likable team. 
the players are likable I think Kagawa is someone that I've liked for many years but like you said and we spoke about this Sinan and I then that, that the, the Manchester United move kind of seems to he never was the same again because before that he really was w- one of the three big Dortmund stars he was like the next big thing coming in the European football scene then he went to Manchester United didn't really pan out he was kind of a bit player there then he went back to Dortmund but he was never really he never managed to capture that status again that he had the first time around Um, despite the fact that he was still quite young when he went back I think it was only like 25 or so or 26 when he went back to Dortmund Um, but he hasn't been uh, the, the, the the same since and, and Dortmund of course now I think for both him and Dortmund it's kind of done this, the, the chapter is over uh, I believe you sent me some articles at the beginning of the season where he did say that he was looking for a new challenge in his career that he wanted something new a change of scenery we all of course know that Spain's on his bucket list has been on his bucket list but that move to Spain didn't materialize in the summer uh, I think that was probably also kind of why he was probably hesitant to to take the Bishtesh offer because I, I spoke to you about this in the summer where Bishtesh were trying to make this huge splash into the Japanese market and Kagawa was probably their their big uh, key component in that plan to 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 try and expand into Japan um, because they do see that as the Japanese market they they see that as such an untapped possibility and even one of the Bishtesh board members the other day Shafak Mahmoud Yazjolu uh said some stuff towards the media he said look for us japan is just something that offers so much possibilities it's really difficult right now especially in turkey with the 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 financial state of the country to get good sponsorship deals business of course have some major sponsorship deals already in place with vodafone which is the biggest sponsorship deal in turkey um but it's difficult to get get good sponsorship deals and they do see japan as a potential market where they could perhaps get uh, sponsors in and and Kagawa was I think a big part of that plan didn't happen in the summer because I think he still wanted to see if he could go to Spain but that didn't happen didn't happen now in January either it, it, it was deadline day when he arrived and eventually ended up signing on a six-month loan for Besiktas he was rumored to go to Monaco but that didn't happen um, so I think for Kagawa I, I kind of have the impression that it was really uh, he was really hesitant for this move, and we spoke about this of our affair a little bit as well. Where I think there's a lot of similarities with the cultures, Japan, Turkey. Um, of course, also a lot of differences. But I was kind of uh, surprised that he was so hesitant, and I think also the fact that this move is only a six-month loan. There's no option to buy, as far as we know, um, and I think it's very much a case of. He wants to see if he can settle in Turkey and if he can move forward. But I've been rambling on and, and talking a lot now, Dan, so I do apologize for that. Uh, but I do want to ask you, when we see this move, how big is this, you think, in Japan? What, what was the impact? How widely was it reported? Uh, was it huge news? How can you, What kind of perspective can you give us on that? Well, I think uh, I think you, t- you touched on a lot of interesting points, and I'll sort of try to tackle them one by one. Uh, if you want to start with how big the move was, it was sort of really weird timing for that move to happen just because it happened the day of the uh, Asian Cup final. And I think that 
uh, by the time most uh, Japanese football fans woke up and read that Kagawa had you know gone to Turk, gone to Istanbul, and joined Besiktas, they were were still nursing the hangover of that three-one loss, and uh, that will put a damper on anyone's day. Uh, so I, I think that it was. It's hard to say because he's fallen off of a lot of fans' radar. Uh, he is, without a doubt, one of still one of the most popular Japanese players who's currently active. If you talk about uh, this World Cup squad in terms of uh, who the two biggest players were, it was Honda and Kagawa. It's always been Honda and Kagawa. And I think that... Uh, if you want to talk about their role in the Japanese zeitgeist, uh, Honda was always, Keisuke Honda was always the bad boy. Like he was sort of the rebel with the fashion and the, the Rolexes or the Omegas or whatever on, on both wrists and the cryptic comments. And uh, yeah, he was a bit of a weirdo, but he was a rebel and, you know, and people people took to that. And meanwhile, Kagawa was always like Kagawa was the, the the boy that moms want their girls to bring home with them, so to speak. Yeah. Um. The, the, this he he just looks like it. Yeah, I mean, he comes across like that. We also in in the brief period that we've seen him now, experienced him now, Vista is just. He comes, like I said before, with the, the Japanese players, the Japanese national team, they come across extremely likely, and I think he kind of epitomizes that. So I, I definitely see what you mean there with. Uh... Yeah, he he he's humble, and he's got like he's got a good image. Like he's never gonna get like I I think that to to contrast him with a Japanese player who, as you mentioned, is currently in Turkey. Uh, if you look at Yuto Nagatomo, who is not brash a bit brash but he's got like a bit of he's got a personality and that personality really served uh nagatomo well when he i mean i remember uh watching from the stands his rookie season at sc tokyo and you could tell that he was going to set the world on fire like he was an amazing defender. I still, to this day, tell the story of him punking Hulk in the the, the April twenty eight or two thousand eight uh, Tokyo Derby. Like, think about that. You had Yuto Nagatomo going up against Hulk in the Tokyo Derby in two thousand and eight. The J League has had some weird stuff over the years, uh, but but the point <laughs> is that I, I, like if you look like I remember when he went when he announced that he was going to Italy and like he puts on the sunglasses that he pulls out of his pocket and he like says like ciao or whatever, and he was doing it to get a laugh from the crowd. But like then he went to Italy and he learned Italian and he worked. You know he he hustled and I think that Inter fans uh, appreciated him for the fact that. He may not have always been the best player on the pitch, but he hustled every single game. Mm -hmm. And then he went to Galatasaray and he embraced it. Like he's he's there, like posting on Instagram in Turkish. I don't know if he speaks it, like uh, yeah, but like he's he's clearly become 
Uh, you know, for, for for a Japanese player to go to Turkey and become like the mood maker of the squad, like that, that takes a lot. And I don't think that Kagawa is that sort of player. I don't expect it of him, uh, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing that he isn't. But he's going to have to deliver on the pitch, and he's going to have to keep not only keep his confidence up, but you know, if when he has a bad couple of games hypothetically and you know when he's struggling he needs to figure out how to pick himself back up because i think that's something that he's always uh, had problems with whether with the national team or with dortmund or with manu mm -hmm. uh going uh, i guess if I, if I can make one final point about sure. sort of about about how Bejitash looks at the japanese market I personally think, and I think we've had this conversation be well before, back in uh, yeah, over the summer. Months ago, yeah. It, it's it's dangerous because, as we've seen with other European clubs that sort of try to build a, a following on the back of a Japanese player. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the I, I think there's a bit of or. You're, you're, I, don't gonna, I don't know if I should call it Eurocentrism or like Orientalization. I don't, but you can't just sort of look at Japan as like this. This it, it, it's the same thing that sports leagues do with China. Mm -hmm. Look, they've got a billion people. If we can get if we can get one percent of them to follow our league. You know, think of all the money that's going to give us. That's not how it works. Yeah. Um, Kagawa is but one of roughly, at this point, 15 or 20 Japanese players who are overseas. Mm -hmm. um, and many of whom are much younger than him. Uh, it's, you know, the games are in the middle of the night. Uh, it's, you know, you, we can watch on, Dazo actually, DAZN airs the Super League. So yeah. it's quite a yep. coup for them. They, they they got the rights for for the Galtry games and now the the Kagawa uh, for for Bistech games. So yeah, uh, I don't think they air other games though. No, I'm I'm looking at their their page now and, and they definitely don't. And um, it's I mean that it's very savvy of them. Like I think that in the past, like I think of when I think of when hold on players' names. Oh, uh, Yoichiro Kakitani of Seretsu Osaka went to Basel in the Swiss league mm -hmm. and such a huge deal was made of that. Like he was the, the young, smart, brash general marching off to war and by God, he was going to conquer. And Skapa, Sky Perfect TV in Japan, the, the basically our biggest satellite provider, uh, paid a bunch of money for the Swiss League rights, and they had exclusive interview, and they were going to do a reality show following him, and he didn't play at all. Yeah. Like, that that was a huge flop, and he came back to Japan with his tail between his legs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it's good that DAZN has these rights, because I think that you don't want Scapa getting the rights, because that can always end pretty poorly. <laughs> um, but of course we're talking now about Kagawa, who's an established star... Um, right, he he Kagawa is an established star, and I think that he's probably had. I think the fact that Nagatomo is also there in Istanbul mm -hmm. is a big help because they have a very good relationship. Uh, they've basically both been fixtures on the national team since about 
2009-2010. Uh, I forget exactly when Kagawa's first senior cap was, but he was like he narrowly missed getting picked for the 2010 World Cup, which Nagatomo was uh, obviously in. So having yeah, a little bit of an age gap there, I think of two, three years or something, but yeah, but I mean, that, that's like, I mean, well, the, the point is having a, a fellow Japanese player who mm-hmm. you've been, you know, played dozens of games with over the last decade or so, uh, is, is helpful. And I think that we see that it's in Germany. We see this in Belgium. We see this in France. Uh, the, all the Japanese players in Europe have very good relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to, because, uh, I think some like some of these uh, cities have very big Japanese expat communities, and uh, with some, you know, your only support group is your fellow players, uh, because they are inevitably the ones who understand the struggle of being, you know, being the guy in the locker room who doesn't understand what's being said, yeah, and sure. dealing, you know, like dealing with like you know racist fans and you know weird, you know crazy travel conditions and dangerous stadiums and whatever. We saw that a couple of years ago, I remember when, uh, was it, what was the goalkeeper's name again? Kawasaki? Eiji, yeah, Eiji Kawashima. Yep, Kawashima, sorry. And in Leeds, right. in Belgium here in Leeds, he yep, got racially yep, yep. abused. I can't say though that, that I'm 99.9% sure that will never happen in Turkey. Uh, I'm not saying there's no racism in Turkey, but not, definitely not like towards you know, Japanese people or something like that. That's just right. Like, I mean, yeah, there, there might be some uh, racially insensitive uh, stuff. Like I, I saw him being called the sushi bomber, and I was like, oh, "What's that?" So that's... Yeah, I mean, look, we sort of. I think that uh, Westerners are more likely to get offended at that sort of thing than uh, Jap- you know, Japanese people will. Like they'll they'll report it as like a cute, like, "Oh my god." you know, this culture recognizes our culture type yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, I saw, um, I saw some stuff with their, like, for example, when, because we're going to get to this, but, of course, Kagawa had a great debut for Besiktas, and uh, there were some pictures floating around of him going into Super Saiyan mode. And to me, that's, oh, yeah. just, that's just like, ah, uh, maybe not, but I guess... I, oh, God, it, no, they eat that yeah, shit up. They eat it up, cut, apparently, yeah. They love it. Oh, God, they love that here. When uh, when Inui signed with Real Betis and they did, like, the the Dragon Ball thing, or when when Nakatomo went to Garo Hasarai, and I think they did, like, a Dragon Ball or Captain Tsubasa thing. I forget uh, which anime they referenced, but, oh, God, they love that here. Like, it's... It's... They... They love the fact that, like, foreign cultures uh, and foreign football fans have such an appreciation for Japanese culture. I I always love when I post um, photos of, like, Major League Soccer uh, TIFOs, and it's always based on video games or sometimes based on anime. And it's, it's always interesting to see the reaction that you get from fans were like, oh my, like, why do they know about Final Fantasy? Why are they turning Final Fantasy into, like, a full pullover, you know, TIFO thing? Um, sometimes it's, I, I have found, as, as a nerd living here, uh, Japanese people often do not quite appreciate how much Japanese pop culture is loved overseas, and Things like that are always sort of just a nice reminder of that. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, Dragon Ball Z is huge in Europe. I mean, I grew up on it. It's a, uh, I, I'm not a huge anime fan. It's like pretty much the only anime I ever ever watched. Like, I was I never got into Naruto or stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dragon Ball Z is absolutely huge here. And Final Fantasy, of course, one of the biggest games. Mm. Uh, you know, and and if you talk about football games. There's, there was nothing better than, than Konami's Pro Evolution Soccer in the early 2000s, in my opinion. Unfortunately, uh, EA kind of raided their development team, I think, and uh, after that, uh, Konami, PES just hasn't been the same. Or should I say Winning Eleven, which uh, was huge in Turkey. Absolutely huge. When I was a kid and I would go on vacation to Turkey, all my cousins, they were always playing Winning Eleven. Not, and, and it was like the Japanese version, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And and so it's actually um the thing about Winning 11 is that they would they never included the J they they did a version for Japan with the J League teams. Like they would do a special domestic version. But they never included the J League teams in the version that went overseas. And that was always something that I disagreed with because I realize, like, here, how many football fans are there out there who play these games and get to, like, actually learn about players and clubs that they wouldn't know Especially about? Especially in the Master League setting, that was perfect for that, for finding these talents, I mean, right. according to the game, and it was just fantastic. Um, but getting a little bit sidetracked here, uh, <laughs> talking about Shinji Kagawa, of course. Um, so, like you said, the, might be a little bit of overestimation of the, the maybe the potential in the market although i do think that i personally think of course i'm biased i'm a bestish fan but i think if i look at the japanese culture and i look at the values of the club i think there's no better turkish club than to to splash into the japanese market because there's i don't know how much but but you know, honor is incre incredibly important in, in the Japanese culture. And Bishtesh are, of course, Fenerbahce and Galatasaray fans are going to be like, oh, what is he saying? But it's true because there's this whole whole stigma that Bishtesh have where um, at some point, of course, you can get, this, get looked at maybe perhaps more as a loser than anything. But there was this, our legendary president, Suleiman Seba, who was the president of the club for 16 years. And in Turkey, it's not, clubs aren't owned it's the socio system kind of like real madrid barcelona so for a president to be in charge of a club for 16 years it's a very long time and in the mid 90s when uh, early 90s when bestes lost a title due to very dubious circumstances later it was also revealed that you know there was match fixing involved and such uh, but bestes lost the title on the final match day um, and they lost it on goal differential due to some suspicious stuff that happened and later uh, yeah, stuff. More stuff came out about that, but our president said very um, iconic words. He said, "I would rather rather keep our honor and finish second than win the title and be dishonored, basically." Um, and that's something a mantra that's kind of stayed with the club ever since those early '90s. And really, the club has kind of been more in that that sense of. And some some of our fans resent this because obviously you see your rivals win titles uh ambitious win of course too but not as frequently as for example galtzray who are already on 21 titles now and especially the past two decades they've been extremely successful and surpassed us um 
But then you see some of our fans are like, ah, you know, just drop that loser mentality and just do what Galtzrai does and just, you know, go over, win it at any cost, basically. It's, it's kind of more there because uh, they were the ones that we lost that title to in do, under dubious circumstances and their title victories over the past decades. There's been some some some, some iffy stuff and, of course, Fenerbahce have had a history with some uh, match-fixing accusations and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not saying Bishes haven't, by the way. They have had... But that's like the only... A smudge on the on the history of the club is a so Turkish Cup a couple like a eight years ago or something where there were, were some accusations. Um, so I'm definitely not trying to be holier than thou here, but Bistec do have this this uh, this this positive stigma, I guess I should say, where they are a club that holds honor in a very high regard. So I do think that in that in that sense that it's a club that could appeal to Japanese fans for sure. Now, I do agree with you that just signing one Japanese player isn't going to make all that much of a difference, despite the fact of how big of a star he might be. I think if this works out for Besiktas, uh, he, he has a good six months, decides to stay. Uh, I think Besiktas probably should capitalize on that and, and, and try and get some more players. I spoke about it with Sinan as well, where we're looking for a good ride back. Why not go after a guy like Sakai, for example, who would be perfect for that? Um, you know, Yuto Nagatomo, it's a shame that he's, that he's 32, going on 33 already. I mean, and, and he's one of those guys that... I, it's very, you know, Bistesh, Galtzrai, Fenerbahce fans, it's, it's very difficult for them to like an opposition player. But a guy like Nagatomo just makes it impossible to dislike him. I've liked see? him since day one. See, he, yeah, that's all I'm telling. Like, I've... He will always be. I, I don't really. I've never really had too many favorite uh, players uh, on the pitch. I tend to. I enjoy teams. I enjoy mm -hmm. histories. I enjoy narratives. But if I were to ever get a, a, another um, uniform with, with with proper like markings and, and and names and all that, it would have to be Uto. It would have to be Uto. Uh, he is just like he's a class act. Like. Mm -hmm. You can't not like him. I, I've been very lucky to to chat with him in the mix zone for a couple of national team games, uh, like friendlies over here, and he's like, he's just such a good guy. And I, I do think that he he's one of those players. I think he'll be playing until he's forty. I think he can make it. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about how Bejiktas should go uh, over, uh, should go for Sakai, are you talking about Hiroki or Gotoku? Hiroki, the right back. I think he's still got a few more years in France, personally. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think it's it's just an example I'm giving because I don't think sure. it's going to be possible for us to pry him away from Marseille, unfortunately. Uh, but I think he would be one of the the, per, the logical next step. Um, but as you said as well, you alluded to it earlier, there's a lot of younger Japanese talent in, in Europe these days. I think there's lots of players like, of course, Nakajima is completely beyond our financial uh, possibility, but there's other guys there in Belgium, like I said, Kamada earlier, um, Miro, Miroyushi, I believe his name is, the young central defender, 20 years old, um, actually quite tall, uh, very good, very talented, I think a lot of potential, and there's just lots of those young kids that are already in, 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 in Europe, and there's other, of course, in the J-League, we see those guys come over to Europe, and they do well because of their work ethic, Um so I think there's definitely a potential there for 
for that. But then you have, for example, people are saying, oh, this is great, you know, uh, got are going to get popular in Japan. Now they should go after a Chinese player and a South Korean player. No. And this and that okay, and that. He, but he, that doesn't okay, work. Here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing about Japanese fans. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, a, of, of course, there, there are large numbers of Japanese fans who will support, you know, they'll support the national team. And when they support the national team, I mean, they support the players on the national team, and they'll loosely follow them. Mm-hmm. Then there are the players. Then there are the fans who are support who will support the clubs. Mm-hmm. And then there are fans who support the player. The player yeah. And I, I think that that's um, a somewhat unique situation compared to Europe. I don't. You think have it that... here too. I mean, you have the Cristiano Ronaldo and the, the Lionel sure. Messi fanboys those... and the Ricardo Quaresma fanboys. Trust me. But like, but 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 that's like a very, you know, it's more obscure. It, it, it is more like you either have to be a megastar of the Messi Ronaldo Neymar strata, mm-hmm. or for example, if you're a player like Mohamed Salah who's representing an entire. Nation, Nation yeah. basically, uh, but here it's like even within the J League, if someone you know if if Shinsuke Nakamura, when Shinsuke Nakamura moved to Jubilee Iwata, like his fans moved with him, the all of the Junior Ito uh, fans at um, Kashima, Kashiwa Racehall, they'll be supporting Hank for uh, you know the, the next half season or however long his loan is. Because now he's in Belgium, okay. And uh, like, like it's. I'm not saying that these these are. I, I think with Kagawa, he's he's enough of an established personality that I mean, fans will follow him and fans will pay attention to his team. But for example, you don't really see that many fans of Keisuke Honda who are still tuning in to Pachuca games mm-hmm. or AC Milan games. They're they're trying to they're watching Melbourne victory, uh, yeah. so I, I think that if and I mean this this is basically turning into me giving you advice to pass to whoever about how to market Betiktas. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if, if any club officials are going to listen to this podcast, but I was just going to say I'm not going to be passing anything on. They just have to listen if they want to. <laughs> yeah, like, like maybe. Maybe maybe someone listening to this is gonna you know can speak to someone, but what you have have to do is I mean you have to establish a social media presence in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna be that. based around it, yeah I'm sure they're working on that. It's gonna be based around Kagawa. I'm sure that his people, uh, the same probably the same people who did Dortmund stuff are gonna be working on that. Um, any Bejitas fans in Tokyo should get to get together and start a damn like Tokyo branch of the fan club and hold events at bars and something if you can watch the games online you can stream it in a bar mm-hmm. and you, know, you hold events and you sort of start to you know team up there's lord knows there's enough kebab places and Turkish restaurants in this city I mean they're not as good as they are in Istanbul but they're passable mm-hmm. that you, you, know, you, you do it there you get the Turkish embassy to go in on something uh, you know, Turkish Airlines, Turkish, is it Turkish Airlines or Turkish Airways? I forget. Airlines, yeah. Turkish Airlines, they have a pretty sizable presence here. They used to sponsor uh, a couple J League teams. They used to sponsor our basketball league. Uh, they might still sponsor the new basketball league, for all I know. 
So, like, if, if you get all these stakeholders in and try to push it, then maybe you get something going. I don't think that Magic-Tosh, uh fandom in Japan is ever going to rival Barcelona or Real or yeah, Manchester United, yeah, but of course. you can still get something going, and if you can keep them hooked, then they'll stay with you. Yeah, I think... Uh, the- I always remember, yeah. Yeah, getting a player like Kagawa is is the, is getting the foot in the door, and then you just have to oh sorry, then you just have to um, capitalize. And and I think for example, let's get to Kagawa's debut. There probably isn't any better scenario they could have come up with than having the first ever Bishtish televised match, uh, bar I guess a derby with Galtzray, but the the, the first match that's been televised in Japan to really get focused on on Bishtish itself. It was perfect. I mean, the scenario was perfect. 6-2 victory. Kagawa coming in in the 81st minute. Scoring after just 19 seconds. His, his first goal, a really nice, well-taken shot from outside of the box. And then two minutes later, he gets on the score sheet again. Uh, he makes it 1-5 and 1-6. And then ultimately, Bishesh still conceded to a second goal. But for people watching that match in Japan, I'm sure that was a, a great introduction to the team. And of course... You know, putting the icing on the cake, Kagawa having an absolute dream of a debut. They couldn't have really imagined it any better. And that's a perfect start. But now all the work is still yet to be done. Kagawa, of course, has to be fit into the team. I, I, I immediately had the impression that all the players were very receptive of him, very happy to have him with them. They were very gen- genuinely happy with him. Uh, after I don't know if you saw the post-match interview... Um, just before he, he came in to have the interview post-match, uh, Atiba Hutchinson and Adam Ljajic were being uh, interviewed by uh, the BN Sports uh, guys. And they signaled Kagawa to come over for his interview. And both uh, Atiba and, uh, and Ljajic give him this Japanese bow uh, greeting, which is just, I think, uh, that was just, to me, it, it, it felt genuine. It didn't feel like it was too forced. Uh, it was definitely planned. Uh, that was clear. Um, but uh, it's it, yeah, the, you know, all the guys had smiles on their faces. They were happy. Uh, Kagawa seemed overjoyed as well. So couldn't really imagine a better start for Besiktas and for Kagawa if they want to conquer the Japanese market. But like you said, it's going to be a long road, and, and there's more to be done. But then there's this Mainichi deal that was in the beginning of, uh, of the season here in Turkey. Uh, I believe it was uh, somewhere in August that uh, it was uh, signed. They haven't really known what they had to do. Though. They haven't really had anything to work with. But now they're Shinji Kagawa and now they have something to work with. So when you're talking about social media and all that, Mainichi, I believe, own one of the oldest newspapers in Japan. So they definitely have a lot of reach. Uh, do you think that, that, that the attention that's going to be paid to the Turkish league is going to drastically increase now? Of course, we already had Yuto Nakatomo, but now Kagawa, one of the bigger stars in, in Japanese football as well. Do you think that the league is, as a whole, and of course, Besiktas will benefit from, from, from the increased attention? I think that, uh, I mean, Mainichi are, yes, one of uh, Japan's biggest newspapers. There's them, there's the Asahi Shimbun, and then there's the Yomiuri Shimbun, uh, which are, those are basically the big three. Uh, I've never, I don't think Mainichi is traditionally thought of as a, 
a sports paper. I mean, they're a straight newspaper, just like in the U.S. with, say, the New York Times, the um, Washington Post. It's sort of of, of that mm-hmm. level. Um, I think that, uh, obviously, uh, more uh, all of Japan's football media are going to be paying a lot more attention to the Turkish League. Uh, you know, you could get away with just posting a quick match report about Nakatomo uh, mm-hmm. because... Uh, you know, it's hard. You, it's hard to write a match report centering around the defender. Yeah, uh, that is sort of the nature of the beast. Uh, I don't think that you're gonna ha- move in. Yeah, I don't think that Dzone are gonna go in for the rights for all. I, I don't know how many teams there are in the league. I think eighteen. 18 yeah, in yeah, the first. Yeah, you know, they're not gonna start to air all the games. Uh, you know, with commentary or whatever. Uh, they're not. I think. Some of the wire services, Kyoto, uh, I mean, I'm sure Kyoto News have someone in Istanbul. And if they don't have someone who can do sports in Istanbul, they might send someone else just because now you've got two players. And that's basically a quorum. Lord knows, and I'll, this is a bit of industry baseball, but um, the Kyoto News, actually, they have someone based in Sintruden. Uh, mm-hmm. who reports on all Japanese players in Belgium. So yeah. we get wire reports. Anytime one of them like farts on the field, we get a <laughs> quick little news story about it. And especially, like uh, I think the other day, uh, Toyokawa and Kamada both scored in the same game. So, of course, we get reports about that. And I think that you'll, you'll get more reports about Kagawa. Uh, you'll have you know, our top, like the free, all the famous freelance writers will be writing about him, one or two of them may actually make it out there for a game. Uh, it's, I mean, it's tough for, it's tough for Japanese media to give full dedicated coverage uh, to these sorts of leagues just because of, of the cost of getting reporters to those locations. And it's a very competitive market. And unfortunately, you know, you might go, you might send a full news crew there the weekend that he is not in the squad or something like that. So yeah. there's, there's, there's all sorts of risks, but um, people will pay attention. Uh, I don't think that you're not going to get fans of people who follow the the Super League r- religiously uh, because just because Kagawa and Nagatomo are there, but people will start to pay attention to the clubs, uh, they will start to check it out. You know, the, if there's something interesting happen in the league, it will. Like, like for example, it, it, if something happens to you know one of uh, Kawa's teammates, or maybe Bajiktas are looking for you know an interesting summer signing, something that didn't used to be reported would now be reported, even if it was just like a short article for the web. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it, it, that's going to progress and that's going to change a little bit, and it's going to take uh, time to see what the impact is. Uh, but people's you know antenna antennae are definitely raised, and you know we'll see. I think it's it's going to introduce the, the league to a lot of new people. And uh, let's talk a little bit more before we start really getting into the player Kagawa. And I, I want to end this merchant, well, merchandising this 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 whole uh, <laughs> uh, this aspect of the the interview. I want to kind of uh, fi- finalize it. But um, one more thing, I would like to ask you: Do you think there's a potential there? Because it's definitely something the club are hoping for major sponsorship deals 
with Japanese companies? Do you think that's a, a possibility? Um, Kagawa, for example, he's sponsored by Adidas, of course, German brand, but uh, this is also sponsored by Adidas. Uh, the contract is coming up uh, at the end of the season where Bistis are going to probably sign a new deal with with either Adidas or with a, a different sponsor. Um, could you see maybe Adidas upping the, the value of their offer because of Kagawa potentially staying? Could you see any Japanese companies being interested in becoming sponsors in the stadium or on the shirt or anything like that? I, I don't know about a shirt sponsor. Well, this um, is still tied in with yeah. Vodafone, so it wouldn't be main. Sure. But... sure. Uh, who are, which Vod- Vodafone is now here. It's now SoftBank. Um, I, yeah, that's not going to chat. Like, I, I think that like people think it is it's very cliche in in europe and the rest of the world say oh they just signed him to sell shirts mm-hmm. uh it's not that easy to sell shirts in japan shirts are really expensive in japan shirts are like a hundred something euros yeah. uh in japan uh even j-league shirts so, so uh, i i do think that if adidas remain as the the, the supplier uh certainly it'll be much easier to to get kagawa shirts here um I can see stadium sponsorship. You know, I can see like pitch side advertising, that sort of thing. That's absolutely within the realm of possibility if he stays at the club. Yeah. So I mean, start that. That's the that's essential. the start and the end of it. Yeah. If he stays at the club, you'll definitely have some companies who want to to take note. You might. I mean, the the fact that you know, if Turkish Airlines does operate out of Japan. Uh, so that could be attractive to them. Uh, it's hard to say what sort of company would step up to, to sponsor in that sort of situation, uh, but it's absolutely not out of the realm of possibility. And of course, we've seen already the immediate impact of, of, of fans being at the stadium. Basically played the first game that Kagawa played was actually an away game in Antalya, and there was already a contingent of Japanese fans, also of Japanese journalists, but that was to be expected, I think. But the fans as well, that was, that's just surprised me that there were already people going out of their way to go to Antalya. Of course, they might have coupled it with a nice vacation there. Um, but still, coming to the stadium just to watch Shinji Kagawa's debut, that was a very... Uh, yes, not, not so much surprising, because... I've seen it before in Belgium with uh, Takayuki Suzuki, who played for Genk, uh, way back. Um, but it's it's still it's it's remarkable how loyal they are, uh, and and it's something you you spoke about earlier, where you know there's players of the uh, fans of the players themselves. But that's perhaps something where there's a possibility as well, maybe with working together with Turkish Airlines, organize tri- trips, uh, you know, give Turkish Airlines 500 tickets per game and let them sell them in Japan so people can come over and watch him and all that stuff. There's this rumor now, I'm not, it's unconfirmed, I haven't gotten confirmation, but apparently the Japanese FA have already requested 500 tickets uh, for, for the home game this weekend against Bursaspor. Um, so th- that's not, of course, that's not massive money or anything like that, but it does show that there's interest, uh, which is, is definitely a potential. And in Turkey, if you look at the shirt price, you, you mentioned it, 100 euros in, in, in Japan, that's a lot of money. In, in Europe, shirts are expensive too. If you look in Turkey, they're quite, they're quite cheap. I think a, a football shirt, 
35 euros or something like that. It's, it's a lot of money. I, bought, I mean, I bought, I, I went to Istanbul in 2013. Yeah, very different, though. It was like 45 and back then, I think. It was, I, I think I bought like a Fenerbahce Authentic for like 60 Ooh. euros. That's an awesome. I, 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 yeah, look, I, I went to a Bejiktas um, basketball game, so give me some yeah. credit there. That was my <laughs> sport. I did that. I, I went to the basketball game because I'm from Philadelphia. And I had to see Allen Iverson's former oh, team. Of course, yeah. And uh, um, then the next day, I went to the Derby against Galatasaray, and that was an incredible experience. I'd love to go to Magic House um, game. I'd love to cover Kagawa at a, at a no, game. In the no future. better time than now, yeah. though, Dan. Definitely uh, capitalize on this. <laughs> tell, I, I tell... mean, God, I I wish I had I, I had the, uh, the the pull to say, "Hey, I'm going to Istanbul. I'll be back next week." Um, <laughs> We can't all be like my boss, who is actually, he should have landed within the last few hours. He was away for four days to cover the Super Bowl. Um, but, I mean, you know, enough about that. But, like, yeah, it's, I, I think, not that I'm bitter or anything. As, as far as um, capitalizing on that sort of thing, yeah, you'll have, I mean, you'll, you will definitely have uh, tour companies uh, who will set things up. Uh, any any time that you can get a direct flight to where a star Japanese player is active mm-hmm. uh, is a good time to be a, a travel agent or a tour operator or whatever. Um, having uh, been to that derby as, as a, a non-Turkish citizen, uh, it's, I don't want to say rough, but like you know, it, it is certainly different from the J League experience. Um, yeah. it, it's just, just like, like just the the, the the crush at the security gates and all the the, you know, the the checks and the three gates that you have to go through and all that stuff. And it's intense. Uh, I loved it. It was an amazing atmosphere. Um, I mean, but that is a bit intimidating for your average Japanese fan. So you do have to make sure that it's it's accessible to them. Uh, I, I think that if if the club were to take the initiative and post like info in Japanese on how to how to get tickets and how to go to a game, mm-hmm. like it, how to get merchandise, maybe maybe how to get it. merchandise if their stores ships to Japan, like if they can if they can nail down reasonable shipping rates to Japan. Mm-hmm. That would be a huge help, and if they, you don't even necessarily have to offer it in Japanese because that localization is a huge pain in the ass. And I say that from professional experience. As long as it's in English, people will figure it out. Yeah, I mean, there's that, that you know, basically have the deal with Adidas, so it's very easy for them to just sell some 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 Shinji Kagawa shirts in, uh, in the Adidas stores in Japan, um, but. I definitely think that if, like you said, if the shipping rates can be worked out, that that can be, you know, if you don't have to pay 60 euros or something stupid for, for shipping, um, then, you know, why not? Uh, but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the player now. We spoke so much about all this off-the-pitch stuff. Um, Shinji Kagawa's debut this past weekend, like I said already before, absolutely a dream debut for him. It gets off on the floor real not just running sprinting like a madman two goals in in, in nine minutes um of, of total playing time 
how well was that received in, in Japan? How how widely was that reported? I mean, that must have been quite big news. Yeah, I, I, I we it, it was so big that it was reported not not just by uh, the major you know, media outlets in, in Japanese, but also Kyoto News had a story in English that we ran uh, in our paper uh, in. I guess it was today's uh, issue. Um, that I think it was probably it was, the the news shows probably had it on TV. Um, it was. I mean, it, it's a big deal. Anytime a Japanese player scores, it's a big deal. But on his debut as a sub, two goals in three or four minutes. Um, it's an incredible accomplishment, and they were both pretty good goals. I mean, I would rate, I would yeah. probably rate the free kick above the 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 goal from open play, but that's just because I mean it was a hell of a free kick, and it took I mean it took a good bounce, but yeah. uh, it's still a great play. Um, I think with the free kick, you can kind of say, oh, goalkeeper didn't look too good there. It was difficult, though. I mean, it came from, it, it was a really difficult free kick because it came from behind the you wall. Still, you still got to hit it. You yeah, still got to hit it. And, and, he and takes you got to hit it nasty, and you got to get it on target. Nasty bounce. Just, just to, that's, one of, that's one of the worst things can happen for a goalkeeper if, is the ball dips and bounces just before it gets to you because you basically have no chance to get it then. Um, so that was definitely, yeah, the, the free kick was great, but the, I think the opening goal was, was, was fantastic too. You know, he just shows some quick skill on the ball, a couple of step overs, and just slots it into the bottom left corner. Great goal from him. And not just those two goals, but then afterwards as well, immediately he was like a magnet on the field. All the balls seemed to go to him. He was dictating the pace for the very few minutes that was left. And he had a couple of really good passes as well. He had one really good pass into the box. I think it was on onto Adriano or Laren. I don't remember exactly, but really nifty flick on the ball. And um, it, just, it just seemed to us immediately like we, we, we just got a gem. We got a fantastic player. Uh, I think that he's going to work really well together with Leitch, who's currently playing in the number 10 role, but he, in Italy, played a lot on the left wing. We just sold Ryan Babel to Fulham, so we, we were out a left winger, so that solves that problem. We just shift Kagawa to the middle, and, and, and Leitch moves out left. I think that there's a lot of potential there for a really good combination-style football, something that our fans have been craving the last couple of years, because... We've moved away a little bit from that, and, and it's something that the fans definitely miss. Um, and he's a perfect player for that, I think. And we were talking about this before, you know, when I said that some of our fans are saying, "Oh, let's 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 get a Chinese player, let's get a South Korean player." And yeah, you can find great South Korean players, but I mean, I, I can't name a single Chinese player. And that's the thing with with, with Kagawa. He's he's not just a Japanese. I mean, that should not define him. He's just a fantastic football player that I think any club at, at our level would be happy to have because, I mean, he's... I'm not going to say he's world-class. Uh, I'm not a Premier League fan who calls all their, their new transfers a world-class player, but he's probably just a level below that, which still makes him an amazing football player. I think it's a great get for us. I really hope... I know... That a lot of our best of my fellow fans were extremely disappointed to hear the news there's not an option to buy. Fortunately, um, there has this news kind of come came out that 
it's really down to Kagawa. If he decides after these six months I want to stay, Dortmund aren't, are probably not going to do anything to stop him. Uh, even if they have a better offer from elsewhere, it's it's really all down to him. And, uh, yeah, and, and that tends to be how it is. Especially, I, I think that that's what a lot of Japanese players are sort of used to in a way. Even in, mm -hmm. in Japan, uh, the idea of multi-year contracts is, is a relatively new concept. Most players actually will renew annually. And uh, that that's sort of a problem, not just with, with the, the state of mind of the players, but also um, how... I mean, agents here have way more power than they should. I know that's true more or less any country. Uh, but I mean, look, I've got the, the hit the game on, you know, on silent as a recording, just, just the, the, the touch and, and the, the casualness with which he slots home that first goal. Um, you can't beat it. Like he's, he's confident and he's happy and he's smiling. And we haven't really seen that from him since the World Cup. And before that, we hadn't really seen it from him in the previous you know, few months. Uh, with Dortmund, you know, he'd, run and, he'd run hot for half a season and then run cold for half a season. And I, I think if the fans treat him well, if the club treats him well, if the city treats him well... Uh, I don't see why he wouldn't want to stay because in the end, I, I, I don't want to begrudge him uh, the, the chance to, to, you know, if he wants to play in Spain and if that's his ambition, that's his right. He's, you know, a player should have the ambition to, to go wherever he wants to. But I think at his age, like if it's working, you got to do it. Like if if you're in a good place, you shouldn't throw it out for you know a dream that might not pan out, and might even cost you one of you know the few years of high level football that you have left in your career. I mean, we we Mario Gomez, who I'm sure you're familiar with, former Bayern Munich striker, former Germany striker. He just said in an interview, um, he was asked about if he regrets moving to Fiorentina because that was a, a huge bomb for him. And he mm -hmm. said, no, I don't because that led to me spending that year at Besiktas, which was one of the highlights of my career just because of the experience. And uh, I think he really regrets not staying um, after that past that season. Of course he had the perfect, the perfect season, um, but still I think he really regrets it. And, and for him, it's, to, for a player of that magnitude, won the Champions League, everything like that, to say that was one of the highlights of his career. That's something I think, um, and and that's the thing with Kagawa. I think he's still he's only he's he's not old because he's still twenty nine for a couple months. <laughs> uh, in Turkey, we're used to getting older players as well. We're used to getting Turkey isn't really that 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 what it, what people think it is anymore. Where there's just over the hills past stars coming. There's, there's plenty of really good... Like, look at Adam Ljajic, for example. You know, 26, 27 years old. Had a fantastic career in Serie A. One of the, the players that, that a lot of Serie A fans just love to watch because, you know, he's, he's great. And then look at um, Miha Zajic, who came from Empoli to Fenerbahce this past window. 24, 25 years old. You know, there's there's plenty of, of younger talent that comes to Turkey as well. Of course, you have the... The guys like Drogba who come at the tail end of their careers but still have a great 
great time there and and, and guys like Robinho and and, and uh, Roberto Carlos and, and those types of names that come in their late 30s but I think Agawa is still young enough for the team to be built around him for the coming two to three years if he decides to stay and I think him Leitch could be a really good partnership in midfield um, so I, it's it's you know I there's not really much we can say I think about the qualities of the, the football players in Kagawa. I think it's more whether or not you think that 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 he can settle, and do you think that if he is is made important, if it's being made clear for him, look, you're you're gonna be our key player alongside this guy and this guy, perhaps you know you and two other guys are gonna be the key for the foreseeable future. Do you think that will bring the best out in him? I think it can. If I was looking, if I had anywhere near the athletic prowess required to become a pro football player of that caliber, um, if you're asking me, like, do you want to retire? Probably not retire, but do you want to spend three or four years being like a, being the leader and being the core of our team in Turkey, or do you want to try you know, playing for maybe a lower mid-table Spanish team. Sure, you get to line up against Messi and Messi, you know, two or three times a year, but really that's it. Like, that's as high as your career career is going to go. You're not getting yeah. in back into the Champions League. Uh, you're not getting back into the Europa League, even. Um, I take Turkey, and I think that that's... I think that Nagatomo, if he had really wanted... he, I mean, he, he could have played somewhere he could have played for another team in italy yeah, uh sure. if he wanted but clearly he saw something attractive enough in galatasaray to make the move over there and it worked for him uh and the same thing could happen with kagawa i think it's it's way too early to to make that judgment call but the possibility is there so we're just going to have to see how he performs over the next four months uh, how he deals with less than adverse circumstances i think if you know coming in with a 4-1 lead it, it's yeah. pretty easy to look good um yeah he's i think once he earns his first start once he plays against some of the tougher teams um once you know if vegetas can even get involved i mean they're only they're 11 points back yeah back in the uh who, how many champions league spots does turkey have uh, just the one that directly qualifies, and then another one that uh, has to play playoffs. Uh, the title is is pretty okay. much out, out of the question this season for us. Uh, we 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 just had too many. Um, we just haven't been good this season, honestly. It's it's time to rebuild this team, uh, and and I think guys like Leij, Kagawa, if he stays. Uh, and younger guys like Dorokhan, there's this changing of the guard going on, right? This summer and, and this season is kind of the changing of the guard. Um, we've been, we've had an incredible two to three years where we won back-to-back titles, um, finished the Champions League group stages unbeaten, won the group, first Turkish club to ever win the group, you know, finish a group as leader in the in the Champions League, um, do so unbeaten. Um, for the first time in the club's history to get out of the group stages, which was for a long time one of the sour notes of our history. Uh, but yeah, we just had two or three amazing years, and now is this 
decompression. It already kind of started last year, despite the amazing Champions League campaign. Uh, and now there's just this changing of the guard. It's time for a new generation. I, I don't think the coach will stick around past this season. I don't think he should either. But I think um, that whoever comes in, uh, if Kagawa stays, will Kagawa will be an important player going forward, no doubt. Uh I think that in in Japan there is a, a, a very strong importance placed on the idea of oh you have to like want you have to want to play for the Premier League you have you know yeah. you have to want to play in the Premier League you have to want to play for a Champions League team you have to you know want to to play for you know a title contender. Uh, we talked about this, I think it was off the air, about uh, Shoya Nakajima and his decision to go to Qatar for basically a gigantic pile of money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, it's, it's tough because, you know, I, I think that when the players are put under so much pressure to, you know, to do what they, what, what they are told is the right thing to do either by agents or by fans or whatever uh they can get stuck in a weird spot and i think that ha- that happened with kagawa when he went to united yeah. uh he was obvi- obviously i think he came he arrived in manchester uh when they were just embarking on their biggest yeah. transition away from sir alex ferguson yeah so that's, that that's massive, of course yeah. and and that was bad timing for him that was very unfortunate timing for him i think that if alex was if sir if sir alex was there maybe things would have gone better you know if he was there for yeah. for longer i think he might have had a, a season or half a season i forget what i i or maybe not but I think it might have been this last season I'm not yeah sure. so so that's that's tough it's i think but like looking at you know, looking at the footage uh, over, from over the weekend, it's like he's happy, mm-hmm. and, and quite frankly, it looks re- like those the, are those black kits. Are those the 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 home kit, or is that those, first those are the away kits? But I think they should um, be the home kits because they're they absolutely be. stunning. They're gorgeous. Like they're gorgeous. Yeah. Those are th- those are some good kits. Turkey yeah. has some really good uniforms. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, the quality I look for first. And foremost when deciding which teams i want to support i'll send um, one. i no, i appreciate it. i have i've got the scarf and i'll have the kit to go with it um yeah no it's i i, I do i hope he can pull it off i just think that uh, the, the he's always been he's he's the playmaker but there was always i mean there's always just so much pressure on him to to make these plays along with with honda and so you, you, there were the questions of like I think Honda always wanted to be like the central attacking midfielder, mm-hmm. and so you know Kagawa can play out you know sort of on the wing or sort of on, you know to, to either of Honda's sides, but the partnership there was never the it was never greater than the sum of its two parts, at least not consistently. Yeah. Um, so you know if he if he, if he can create you know a, a lasting partnership that you know. With, with his teammates and if he can as long as he can communicate and as long as he feels confident enough um i don't know how turkish press how turkish football media treat athletes you know 
not just sort of in general, but I don't know how they're going to go at him as a foreign player. But um, I think that the fact that he's a Japanese is probably in a speak in going to be an advantage for him. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's generally going to be treated really well. Um, yeah. I mean. If you if you read Turkish media right now as well about him, of course he had the perfect debut, but still, I mean, full of praise and and only even before he made his debut, I think a lot many of the pundits said like, this is a this is a great get for Besiktas. He's a fantastic player. He's going to add a lot of quality uh, that they that that they probably have been lacking this season. Um, and I think him and personally, I think him and Laich can be could be fantastic. Um, maybe compare Leitch a little bit to Honda, but he's he's gonna play out left probably because he that's more natural for him as well. And you know, great free kick taker, um, a little bit of a bad boy image. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just think the chemistry with with it, him and Adriano, him and Medel was already immediately there, and and just to, to see that his fellow players embrace him straight away. And like you said, I mean, he was smiling from the get go, even before the match. He was already smiling, posing with with, with Ilhan Mansis, who some of the the, the J League fans may remember from his brief stint at Vissel Kobe. Uh, of course, he that, was. Uh, that, God, that that's a deep cut. When? How many years ago was that? Jeez. Two thousand four. Uh, <laughs> so that's a long time ago. Uh, he is, of course, a Besiktas legend. Uh, currently on the coaching staff, one of the assistant coaches, um, and and he of course uh, garnered fame in in, in Japan to, on the 2002 World Cup, where he had the samurai haircut, which immediately endeared him to to the entire uh, nation of Japan. It seemed like, and of course he also he's a. Uh, he has some uh, resemblances. Uh, with, with, he has more Asian facial features, I think, which also ha- helped uh, that, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kagawa, great player. I think it's a great get. And it's going to be so important for Bishdash fans now because, like I said, with, with the Mario Gomez thing, he had a fantastic season with us, but then he didn't stay. And that really left a nasty feeling uh, in, 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 in the Bishdash fans' mouth so to speak where they just they wanted nothing more for him to stay and then it didn't happen and it really it, it kind of was like a, a relationship ending with a, with a girlfriend you absolutely loved and she she was your goddess so to speak and, it, and, and she, it's not and it, it wasn't you it was her and then she you know emails you a year later and she says <laughs> i made a mistake yeah but you've already started your new life somewhere else and you know you're never going to get that magic back and yeah no yeah. i i totally yeah. Uh, appreciate that and it's yeah yeah no I, I mean i wish i think we all wish him the best uh, i think japanese media would love nothing more than for uh kagawa to succeed because he is still um among certainly among spo- among his sponsors i mean a, a big name and a huge money maker um i would say if he gets his form back over the next year or so, you're going to start to hear his name pop up um, as a possible overage candidate for the Olympics. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I mean, I think that like Honda has come out and said he wants to be on the Olympic side. But how likely is that still like that's playing in Australia nowadays? You know what? Pretty good. Pretty good. Honda yeah. still like he still got it. He's doing really well in Melbourne and. Um, he's sort of hyper-focused enough that 
he can do it. Uh, Kagawa, I mean, it really depends. I mean, I think if he, if Kagawa wanted to do it and he was in good, good form, um, what Moriyasu has to decide there is: Do I take away a spot at midfield that is that that could be used for one of you know our developing no, midfielders, or you know? Or, or do I give it to Kagawa for one last go at international glory? Uh, that's 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 a tough question. I think that Moriyasu would probably prefer to stick with the youth. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the, the the Olympics are under twenty three, right? And then three players that are allowed to be older yeah. than twenty seven or something like that. Or yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's under twenty three, but three players can be over age. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if from a little bit of a more biased perspective, I think that a guy like, like Kamada deserves to get his chance at, at that glory. You know, he's the perfect you'll get, age. You'll get Kamada, you'll get Tomiyasu, you'll probably get Toyokawa, um, Takefusa Kubo, who is, he's actually at here at FC Tokyo mm -hmm. for another half year, but he was, uh, he was with Barcelona youth academy until the the fifa ruling against them uh and they had to basically right. get rid of all of their yeah so i was supposed I think, to ask you about him <laughs> oh okay well it's a good thing i brought that up no as soon as he turns 18 uh he's absolutely bound to be back in europe like you he's, think he'll go back to barca or i've heard i mean he hasn't really like He's played a bit in the J League, but he's still really small, and he still can gets pushed around fairly easily. And um, I don't quite think he's ripe yet. I think he still needs to be in the oven for a bit longer. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm eager to see how he does this season. Uh, but it could be Barca. It could be PSG. Uh, there are some rumors to that regard. You know what? If if Uh, Bejikas want to like really do. I don't know if it, it counts as a power move, but like, uh, I think that there are few experiences that could be more formative to an 18 year old than playing uh, Europa League football in Turkey or Champions League. Like, who knows? Or Champions League. Who you've got definitely got the chance. I mean, you're only three points back of Gala, so. Yep. Um, still plenty of time to make up that gap but you never know um i think that like what what kubo needs over the next uh two years is to play as much as goddamn possible like yeah. he, that boy needs minutes that boy needs starts and not just starts for the reserves or the under 18s you look at what you know competitive you matches you look at what mbappe did Like, he wasn't, he, he can't, I don't think he could, he's even old enough to drink in Russia, and he won France's <laughs> World Cup, practically. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, like, that's just, it's the, the standard in, in, in Japan, you just, you don't have young players getting thrown out there under such difficult circumstances. It's the same in Turkey. So, it, it's, that, it's rough. And if you look at, for example, how they do it in Holland... In the Netherlands yeah. at Ajax, you know, where as soon as you basically hit 18 and if you're good enough to play, you know, if they think you're ever going to be good enough, you get your, you get, you're going to get minutes in, in that first team. And that's so important for those formative years. I think between the age of 18 and 21, 
it's about playing as many matches as you can possibly do. I think before that, if you're 16, 17, training with the with the senior squad, that's that's enough. You know, it's good. You get to play. You get to train with some with with some great players. Probably if you're at a big club and, and you get to learn from them in training. But then when you're 18, 19 years old, you need to play. You need to play consistently. So I think it's better for those guys to either go out on loan rather than stay and and sit on the bench and maybe you know get. 10 minutes here and 5 minutes there. Uh, playing time is so important for those those those, those young guys. So uh, you already mentioned Kubo, but is there anyone else that maybe if Bistech are really serious about spl- making a splash in Japan, is there, are there any players that come to mind where you think, hmm, that might be an interesting option for a club like Bistech? I think, let's see, if you're talking about sort of younger players... Um, one name that, that came up, uh, he had a very good year, was uh, Hidemasa Morita, a uh, midfielder at, at Kawasaki. Uh, he was actually selected for the Asian Cup squad, but he had to pull out because of an injury. Uh, I, I think that that's, that could be a good shout. I, I, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, Hiro Takamita is maybe a bit too old to be going overseas. Like I think it's it's for for some players, um, there's a point. I mean, he's tw- yeah, yeah. Mita is 28, and he's a very good midf- good central midfielder. But I think the with, with, with Japanese players, like if you, if you don't get him out the door, it's like if you don't get him out the door by the time they're 24, 25, it's too late to do anything with him. Um, but he, he's solid and actually he's, he's had his, his poor supporters who have bought his uniforms because last year he gave up, uh, the number eight to Andres Iniesta and he took the number seven and then David Villa showed up and he, (laughs) he had to give up the number seven and now I think he's number 14. (laughs) Uh, it's brutal. So um, now Jordi Cruyff will show up and he'll take it. <laughs> you know what? Considering the amount of money that Vissel are dropping on players, you never know. Like, <laughs> who? God, God, they're throwing away. They're throwing out money like a Qatari team. It's um. Yeah, they can maybe get Guti out of retirement since they have the Spanish contingent anyway, and he'll 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 get uh, number fourteen. You know what? Turn three times and spit because if you don't it'll actually happen um i mean there's there's so many he's also the coaching staff by the way at bishiktesh kuti um didn't know that yet probably did not yeah i'm gonna have to learn a lot about uh the team (laughs) if if kagawa's name is gonna keep popping up well you Uh, know where where you can uh where you can get the information absolutely (laughs) i mean i'm trying to i'm I'm trying to think that there's always like this winter we actually had so many um promising like so many interesting uh signings uh in in terms of of japanese players like you had a Gen Shoji going going to France, and I think that mm-hmm. that's a very good signing. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I've really been under the impression the last year or two maybe that the that the Japanese footballers in Europe seem to be booming. Like there, I don't think there ever have been more than there currently are. Or is that just a a false impression I have? It's close to the if it isn't the peak, it's very close to the peak. 
Um, we had a we we had a bunch. We had um, uh, Shuichi Gonda went to uh, Port Monense, which mm, I mean, okay. Um, you had Koei Takura, who was signed by Manchester City and then loaned to Groningen, which is where Ritsu Doan is playing. Uh, you have all the players in Belgium. Uh, mm-hmm. You have all the players in Germany, of course. You still have uh, Maya Yoshida in uh, England. Uh, you've got you know, one or two players. You've got Shoji and uh, Sakai in France. Uh, probably, uh, I'm trying to think of what other countries have like decent... Um, what's his face? Uh, Takashi Inoue is still in Spain, Bitisi. which hasn't really. Yeah, no, yeah. he moved to. Uh, he moved. He Did was he? loan. Yeah, because he wasn't playing at all at. Bitisi. Yeah, he wasn't playing He's, a lot. I was surprised um, by that because it was a. I thought it was going to be a big move at the start of the season. I didn't realize he was thirty though. I I, I thought he was like yeah, 25, 26. That's the problem. He 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 just peaked late for the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, he did he did well at Ibar. Uh, or Abar, and um, it was amazing at the World Cup. It was yeah, and he was amazing fantastic. at the World Cup. And then he moved to Batiste and just never came together. Now he's at Alaves. Granted, Batiste are are very. They have such a great team. Yeah, but it's, it's look, very competitive. It's tough. Um, but all of us are doing well too. They're like fifth in the league or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting. I think the the, the question is going to be like where, especially as more J League players sign uh, these sort of bigger, big name foreign players. Mm-hmm. The question is whether or not there's going to be a room for you know the 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 sort of the younger domestic players and where they can go. Uh, you know, if you look at, I think the if you look at the average age of all the players who went overseas, it's got to be like, you know, Gonda excluded. It's mostly late teens, early twenties. I mean, Itakura isn't that old. Itakura is twenty-two. Uh, Doan, who you know has been in Holland for a year, is only twenty. Uh, we had a, a goalkeeper actually who was on. Uh, Kashua Reisol's uh, youth team uh, has joined Braga, I think it was, on like a full transfer. Uh, it was either a loan or a full transfer. It was obviously, it was either of those two. But like, there's some there's some interesting moves happening. Uh, you had who was there was a weird one from Kashua Yuta, Yuta Nakayama, the defender. Uh, is going to Holland for uh, Zool, PC Zool, yeah, Zool. Pick, yeah, pick, pick Zool. Yeah, I was pick, really surprised pick. as well by by just looking at Tomiyasu that he was just twenty years old. I think that's gonna be, I don't know. I think it's gonna be a great star for for Japanese football. Of course, he's a central defender. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I look, I mean, and Japan desperately needs central defenders. I mean, I love my Yoshida, but he's not getting any younger, and he has and, height. Yeah, and he's, I mean, the Japan's golden age of central defenders has sort of come and gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Masato Morishige is unfortunately never going to get back into the national team picture. Uh, and you do need, you need, uh, you need tall, big players. You need that, like, like Tulio, 
like like Yuji Nakazawa. And right now we're not making those. Um, like honestly, honestly, if Bechiktas can can uh, create some starting national team goalkeepers for Japan, we'll send all our goalkeepers over there because <laughs> that's probably our weakest. That's probably. Goalkeeping is probably Japan's weakest. Send, send them to Belgium. I think that's probably one of the best leagues to develop in. Uh, yeah, like like that's our our worst position at the moment. And I think central defense, like defense, well, defense. Honestly, it's the, the back line is probably going to be like Shoji and Tomiyasu uh, at central defender, and you know whoever you know, say Midoya might be on the right side. And I think Nagatomo still got a couple more years left. In- um yeah it takes we'll yeah so it, it, injuries it's definitely we're not seeing as many players go to prestige leagues you know not as many players going to top four leagues and some colleagues believe that that's not good like that it sort of shows that the quality of japanese players is declining but I think I, if you can play regularly and you can steal the show, like for example, like Ajima did at Porto Monense, and if we're, you know, I, I'm sure that people will be listening to this and they'll be like, "Who the hell are these guys talking about?" But Nakajima, really impressive last season in Portugal. I think he had like 10 assists and, and, and 11 goals or something as a left winger. Uh, he's only one. He's like a really small, one meter 64 or something tall winger, but I mean, so skilled, so, such a great talent. Um, and I think you know if you can break through in a league like Portugal, you definitely have something in you. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go to the top five in Europe straight away. I think you can go to Holland, you can go to Belgium, you can go to Portugal um, and, and grow there, and then make that next step in your career. Yeah, and, uh, and I sure. think that I think that the that the Bundesliga is still. Um, yeah. A reliable starting league for a Japanese player. Yeah, and we'd like to see uh, because... with Kamada. I think he's owned by Frankfurt. I'm sure he'll go back there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I mean, so and, and, and so many Japanese players have have gotten their, have have built their careers in Germany. Uh, and, and so I, I don't think that necessarily. I don't think that players should be driven away by there. But I I just don't think that like they shouldn't be trying to push their agents to land them deals in England that aren't going to go through because, you know, they can't get the visa or whatever. Like, uh, Yosuke Ideguchi to Leeds was probably the dumbest thing that happened in Japanese football last year. Mm. Um, or was, was it last year? Was it a year ago? I don't remember. Like, nobody cares about him anymore. He's not relevant anymore. <laughs> he scored... He's not relevant because he's been injured, but, like, he scored... He went from scoring that rocket against Australia in World Cup qualifying to falling off the face of the earth. And it's a shame, but his agent pressured him into a thing. Yeah. You need to go somewhere where you're going to get the playing right. time. And I think you know, you can see it in Belgium right now with all those great Japanese... You know, the journalists here in Belgium are raving about those guys. The football yeah. that they're playing at St. Yeah. is great. Uh, those, ki- those kids are... Well, they're still kids because, I mean, 20, 22 years old. I mean, for you and I, Dan, those are kids. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing great no, things. It, it, um, and it, I, I it love how this has totally turned into uh, 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 just a, a, podcast general, about, a general podcast about Japanese, Japanese football. football. But I think that's as great. A sort of, as it sort of usually en- ends up being, look... As far as Hintruden are concerned, 
when DMM when DMM bought the team and started to set things up, like I thought it was going to be one of those weird vanity projects that Japanese owners are so apt to do that never really realizes its potential. Mm-hmm. But full credit, they're produce like they're those kids are getting minutes and like those are real like non BS minutes. Like they're they're getting it done. It's not like um yeah for sure. What was that Spanish club? C.E. Sabadell, mm. who were were in the second division. I don't think yeah. I don't know if they still are, but they had a Japanese CEO, and uh, who was it? Sultan Tanabe went there on loan for like two seasons from two or three seasons from FC Tokyo, and he just couldn't get anything done. He was playing, but like nobody gave a shit. Um, <laughs> Like, gosh, see, the only reason I can say all this is because it's like I know that like his agent isn't going to be looking up uh, a podcast on Turkish football to, to hear what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. Oh, he, be careful! I'll tag him on Twitter. <laughs> you know what? I don't think he he left FC. I think I don't think FC Tokyo resigned him this season. I don't even know where uh, he ended up. Uh, oh yeah, he's at obviously Buffalo. Now I'll never see him again. Um, yeah, it's it, you, you get these these players who have like this Europe at any cost fixation, mm-hmm. and they get themselves into a stupid thing as a result. Yeah, and it just uh, it's a shame. But you, to, yeah. you I, see I it think... a lot with young players too. I mean, you just need to, you know, like for example, we had this at the beginning of the season where Fenerbahce they signed a bunch of young promising Turkish players and the thing about Fenerbahce is they have never been a club that that develop youth they've always been a buyer club and you just know going into this even now that they have a new president so I was kind of giving it the benefit of the doubt I was like yeah okay you know I was talking to one of the the, the fathers of one of those players and I was like I mean yeah with this new president it might be a, be a good thing but then you know six months later the guy that's played maybe like six minutes or something mm-hmm. and you just know that he made the wrong choice uh, and you just know that they know too that they're like ah we should have known and that's just so important when you make that move instead of going to a big league straight away a big club big name club take that first step and and, and go to a team where you'll actually get playing time where you'll be allowed to make some mistakes where you'll be allowed to learn and develop and then take that next step that once you're established and you have a name then you can take that next step to a big club but don't ever go to it for example like manchester city or chelsea if you're a really promising young player don't go there because you won't get any any chance look at kevin de bruyne look at romelu lukaku look at thibaut courtois they all had to be sent out on loan before they ever got a look. And even then, Thibaut Courtois had to basically play the Champions League final before Chelsea ever considered him. Kevin De Bruyne, he's one of the best players in the world right now. And and look at his career trajectory. Went at a very young age to, to Chelsea, never got a chance, ended up in Germany. Now he's a star at Manchester City. I think it's just, you just have to learn to walk before you run. And I think that's a, the truth for not just Japanese players, but young players in general. Don't try to make that really big move to that huge club straight away, unless you're the next Messi, of course. But yeah. And rant. <laughs> but just one more thing I wanted to ask you, Dan, uh, before we, we end the podcast. And that was about Kagawa, really. 
in this at the start of the season he did say I'm looking for a new challenge. So were you surprised that when Hanover came came in at the last minute as well that he opted not to stay in the Bundesliga? Was that at all surprising to you? Uh no, because honestly I think that if he had wanted to maybe this is rude to Hanover fans listening. If he wanted to settle for Hanover, he would have he would have made that decision uh in august Mm -hmm. like i I think that as a player if you you know if if he wanted to go to spain he saw that as a step up Mm -hmm. um and if he wanted a step up it means that he still thinks his career has an upward trajectory so if you're in that position you either have to think of it as you have to have to look for a lateral move or a move or an upward move. I don't think Hanover from Dortmund is no, either. Step, like it's step a step down. It's a, it's a step down. I think once you take that step down, you're down. You're always going to take steps down. So maybe he sees Vegetas as a lateral. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, you're going wait, from wait, a title wait. contender to a title contender, so in that regard, I mean, definitely in terms of league quality, it's a step down. I mean, sure. kind of, you know, call a spade a spade. Uh, no need for, to sugarcoat that. But, I mean, but you know, it, like I mean, I, th- I think that, that Turkey is still, you know, still top 10 Europe. I oh, mean, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. like, look, he needs minutes, and I think that, like, you know, if he leaves... He's been with Dortmund for so long. Like I think it, it's sort of a sign of respect that he would rather play somewhere else, play in another country, than join another team in the league. Like it'd be weird to watch him play for Hanover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like so, I, I think that if I were him, like if I had convinced myself that I want to go to a new country and challenge myself, then that's what I'm going to do. If, if Spain isn't going to work, then I'm going to look at, um, you know, other, other options. He was clearly lucky enough to have found this one. Do you think he was holding out for a move to Sevilla in the summer, in the summer? Probably. I mean, I, if, if, if Sevilla had made an offer, you'd be foolish to have not, to not have taken it. Um, I don't know how much of a possibility that was. I remember some rumors about it, but yeah, yeah, you know, he had a very good World Cup, but uh, I don't know. I guess it just wasn't enough to uh, get him you know, a big contract elsewhere. That's what I think, though. I mean, he had a good World Cup, and then he didn't really move in the summer, and I think everyone knew that his story at Dortmund was, was over. It was written. Uh, I mean, mutual respect between both parties. Dortmund love him. He loves Dortmund, of course, but it, it was clear that his era at Dortmund had ended and that it was time look look at Nuri Shahin I mean same generation they both came up together uh and, and and Nuri also knew this is the end I have to go I have to move and he moved uh and, and Kagawa probably was planning on moving to in the summer but that didn't happen I think I think it was because he was holding out for that move to Spain then this window there was the Monaco came knocking that didn't materialize. Do you have any information on, on why that didn't happen? Is that does it have to do with the Henri uh, termination? That was, I mean, Monaco was never really reported seriously here. 
Mm. I don't think it was ever really in the cards. I mean, there might have been something, but uh, I don't... Because here it was, I mean, L'Equipe was, was, was adamant that it was happening, and then it didn't, and then they said, well, it broke down, but... When I say here, I mean Europe, of course. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I don't know. I think that was always sort of a non-starter. Like, and I don't think I don't, I don't know what his I, I don't know what he his what he would have gotten out of going to a team that's in that precarious a position. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't do you think that this is given the possible uh, the options he had that this is the best possible career move he could have made, or do you think that maybe a move to Let's say an Ibar, Ibar in, in in Spain or Alaves or something would have maybe been. Better. I mean, I've got colleagues who are very bullish on Spanish football and the Spanish league, but quite frankly, this is. I mean, as someone who watches the European leagues with with a very detached lens, it's just not interesting to me if the same three or four teams are always going to win it. Like. Mm-hmm. The fact that it is a league so dominated by you know your Barcelona and Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, uh, um, really and you know sometimes you'll get really just the two. Mm-hmm. Um, what's there to play for? True. Yeah. Like unless you play I, for like, those I two know teams, it's of course. Like, right, unless you play for those two teams, like what's there to play for? Like maybe like you know your Champions League or Europa League, maybe like uh, an upset in the Copa del Rey. Uh, like, I I personally would be more attracted to a new project, you know, something with real challenges, and I think that that's what Kagawa's been given. Um, yeah, I'd much rather take, be I'd much rather be in that position over where Monaco are now, you know, third from the bottom. And what's the perception in Japan regarding the move? Because I I notice a lot in Belgium that there's a lot of kind of they look kind of down their noses when it comes to Turkish football, the Turkish league, and all that. Um, and I wonder if that's the same case in Japan because I know it's in many European countries. It's kind of is like they kind of look down their noses when it comes to Turkey. I I don't think that Turkish football has enough of a reputation, positive or negative, for that to mm-hmm. happen here. But I I think that the media in their role as cheerleaders as they so often tend to be are very supportive of Kagawa as you know as a player and they want him to do well like they um one of the, like a, a, i'm looking at nikon sports which is one of the biggest uh, sports papers uh in the country and <clears throat> of their top um their top three stories for international soccer football excuse me um number one is uh sala's plane number two is uh kagawa oh it's it's about kagawa visiting yuto nagatomo and having dinner at his place number three is yuto nagatomo talking about kagawa visiting his place and having dinner number four (laughs) is also uh oh it's yuto it's it's nagatomo talking about um, it's, you, welcoming it, it, it's him talking about Kagawa's two goals, and he basically he said, um, you know, I, I never knew you had that kind of curve or something. Right? Basically, I, no, he actually says like, if you can kick the ball like that, why didn't you say something? <laughs> uh, and he just said about how he's he's 
he's happy to to be in the same city as as Shinji and to be you know to be able to play his rivals. And he says it's like、uh, something he couldn't have even dreamed of. It's quite、uh, remarkable though to see that. Even in the summer, that Nagatomo was kind of cheerleading him on and telling him, like, "Hey, it's great here. Come over here." And、yeah. I think he even said something in the lines of, "Of course, I'd prefer you to, you know, prefer you to come to to Galtry and play with me." But、uh, you know, if you're gonna come, it's great. And、um, I think it, it's it's great for them to be in the same league.、Um, and, and and as I said earlier, it's good for. Uh, you know, for for Kagawa as he adjusts to this, you know, the, this new culture,、uh, it's absolutely going to be a culture shock, even for someone who's lived overseas as long as he has.、Um, you know, to have to have a Japanese friend there who understands what's what and to help him get get through that.、Uh, and I think that you know now it's it's Nagatomo's turn to be, you know, the veteran. To 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 be the senior in the relationship, and because I think I mean Nagatomo's always been older, obviously, but he's come later to Europe. He's the defender. He's um he only beat Kagawa to Europe by like maybe、uh, maybe half、Did、a he? year.、Did、he, he went. To, Nagatomo went over after the 2010 World Cup. Okay. Uh. Um. I think Kagawa was like twenty-two or something. Yeah, it was, it was like、um, he Kagawa went in like early twenty ten or like maybe yeah I think it was it might have been the summer of twenty ten before the World Cup. Um, because he because he, he had a great a great half season at Dortmund before the Asian Cup and then he got injured.、Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, twenty ten、so, was his first season there.、Yeah. Right. So that so that'll be good for him. Um, I think they'll, you know, the, the kids are going to be fine. Like,、uh, as long as Kagawa can keep this up, I don't expect him to score two two goals every game. But no,、yeah. uh, I don't think anyone expects it. It's just you know, people we just want him to to help the team play good football, and you know, he doesn't need to be scoring every game. Of course, that's not what we expect. We're no offense, we're not Americans. <laughs> we don't expect her. I remember.、Um, I remember when、uh, what was his name?、Uh, oh, Nigel De Jong when he left、uh, MLS. Or when,、uh-huh. Yeah, when he left the MLS, there was this official video from the MLS, and it was really talking. He's a defensive midfielder, and it was like, it was like they were they seemed shocked that he didn't score a single goal or something. Like he only, or, or maybe one, or something. Like he only scored one goal, or yeah, it was like they were really. I don't know. It's like. Expect it. I don't know what it was. It just felt so weird.、Um, so yeah, I don't think that's the case. We don't expect him to keep this up. I mean,、uh, can only go downhill from here, right? <laughs> well, I mean, gosh, I hope not. Like, I hope not. No, yeah. I mean, and it, this is one of those things as well. In his post-match interviews, he was just so modest, as you or you already said, he's a modest guy, and he said like,、ah, I was, you know, first and foremost, I think he said something along the lines of,、ah, it was just. It, I, I just very lucky today. It was luck, and、uh, I'm so happy, and and, and all that, and、uh, you know, and he, he did say, I mean, the fans, the coach, the players, they all show me so much respect, and that's very important to me. And I think it's gonna help him settle. Honestly, I think him immediately having some players that he can relate to. Uh, I, I, you know, just there's been many pictures already f- coming out of him in training, just seeming to get along really well with、uh, Gary Medel,、uh, the Chilean international. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just had the feeling that everything's going smooth right now for him. Hopefully it continues like that. Uh, and, and hopefully he can be important for the Japanese uh, national team too, and for Bishtesh, of course. And like I said before, for Bishtesh fans, it's really... Bishtesh fans want to love Kagawa, they want to embrace him, but they, they don't want to have this feeling of, I'm going to be left in, in, in five months and I'm going to be, you know, another another perfect girlfriend that leaves me uh, hanging, like Mario Gomez. And and unfortunately, Bishtesh fans have, have encountered that sort of uh, pain in the last couple of years qu quite a few times with first Gomez, then Abubakar, who had a great season and went back to Porto, then Talishka, who had two great seasons, then went to China. And it's just, you know, those those were all loan deals and, and they all had an option to buy and none of them ended up staying because in the case of, of Abubakar and Taliska, just we didn't have the financial means. In the terms of Gomez, there was the, the, the coup in Turkey, the attempted coup in 2016 that really put off uh, Gomez's family, which ultimately made him decide to go back to Germany, even though he still had the ambition to play Champions League football. And I think if it wasn't for that, that poor timing of that uh, political unrest in Turkey, that he definitely would have stayed and things could have been different. But... Um, yeah, I think that's just one of those things for Bishtesh fans right now. It's it's they want to embrace and and love Kagawa and want to grow attached to him, want to put him on a pedestal and and and, and see him as, as as one of the big stars of the team going forward and, and want to imagine him being someone the team is going to build around in the coming years and he's going to be great for the club and I think they're all just fearful that we're gonna basically act like a a, a training camp for him. He's gonna tr do well, get in form for six months now with Besiktas, and then maybe go to Spain and uh, leave us behind us, leave us behind him. And that's kind of what the, I, I sense the feeling is among many of the fans that they're really fearful for that to happen. But personally, I, I think if, if uh, like you said, if if the, the experience can be positive for Kagawa, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he decides to stay. I think that <clears throat> if Bejitas get into Champions League qualifying. Uh, I mean, ideally Europa League, but even better if they have a shot at the Champions League. I think that he he would rather stay there than go to you know Spanish mid table. I think that that's probably the key, uh, especially quite like quite frankly. Um, with I think DAZN has the Champions League uh, from this season. Mm -hmm. If they can broadcast him in the Champions League, of course they'll you know maybe they'll even sponsor uh, Bejiktas and start you know DAZN Turkey. I don't think you guys I don't think Turkey has DAZN yet, but no, we don't. No. Uh, it's all possible. Um, it's gonna you know. We'll, we'll have to see how it goes, but um, uh, like you, I'm optimistic. I think that, look, if, if he hears his name being chanted from behind the goal every game, uh, if the fans embrace him, if the players embrace him, then you know he'll embrace them back. And that's a perfect note to end our episode on. Uh, Dan, Tomo Arigato, thank you very much for uh, giving us this interview and I, you know what I hope in, in, a, in four or five months at the end of the season 
uh, when uh, Kagawa announces his decision to stay at Vistesh, I hope we can do another episode and maybe reflect on his first six months at the club and uh, how it would look to go forward. So I really hope he'll be willing to come on again. Um, but Dan, please uh, plug plug your, your your social media stuff. So oh where, yeah, sure. Where to find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter uh, at Aishiteru Tokyo A I S H I T E R U T O K Y O. You can find my stuff uh, appearing on uh, the Japan Times uh, to follow us uh, for our sports coverage uh, at JT underscore Sports S P O R T S. Uh, or you know, there's just the at Japan Times, and um, yeah, I I look forward to uh, have, having the opportunity to, to write about you know if Kagawa succeeds uh, in Istanbul, if he if he takes Turkish football by fire. Uh, there's nothing there, there's nothing that feels better than to be able to write about a Japanese player who has succeeded overseas. Um, it's tough. I think we, we, we love watching players go. We, uh, hate to see them struggle. <clears throat> and I hope that Bejiktas can be the right environment for him to succeed because, uh, as a player, he, he certainly deserves it. And I think bases have proven over the years that they are a really great environment for, Guys like, for example, Mario Gomez or Abu Bakar and, and, and different uh, Talishka to kind of breathe some fresh air into their careers and, and revitalize, so especially in the, in the case of Gomez. So, and, and the difference is perhaps that if this happens for Kagawa, uh, there might be a greater sense of, um, especially from Japan, but also from maybe Kagawa himself, of huh, maybe uh, I owe it a little bit to, to stick around and see where, 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 where this takes me. Uh, where I think where with with, with Gomez and, and and Germany and it was always kind of like oh he he, he revitalized his career good now come back to the Bundesliga and uh, <laughs> prove it you can do it there too, um, but uh, yeah, looking forward a lot to uh, the, the the next fourteen or so games in the Turkish league and hopefully I'm really hopeful that Kagawa starts this weekend against Bursaspor already I think there's no reason not to unless he's not. 100% fit, but I think uh, he can play 60 minutes for sure. He hasn't played much this season yet, but no no reason not to start him, I think, after that amazing start against Antalya Spor on the weekend. So, uh, I hope he'll be watching, Dan. Uh, I hope I will, too. Let's see, that game kicks off. I'm looking it up now. What time will that be? Uh, oof, Sunday at 1am here. So, We'll yeah, see. I might anyway. stay up late. I might, might get up early and catch a, and catch the replay because it'll be you know on DAZN streaming here. Uh, and yeah, I think that I mean a lot of fans. Uh, that's pretty good timing because it means a lot of all the fans waking up on Sunday morning will see how he did one way or the other, and uh, hopefully they have something good to wake up to. Definitely, fingers crossed for Peshikta and Shinji Kagawa on uh, this weekend for against Bursaspor, of course. Dan, once again, Domo Arigato, thank you very much for uh, giving us this interview. And uh, thank you for listening to the Black Eagles podcast, and we'll be back soon. Okay. Very nice. Uh, very informative stuff, as always, from Khan and Dan. 
to Mr. Orlowitz, again, we thank you for coming on to the show. Khan, I thank you for getting him to do it. Uh, it's a good connection, as always. And yeah, I th- I'm sure our, our listeners are much more informed now about all things related to Shinji Kagawa, Japanese football. Uh, yeah, it's great to have Dan on. Just to, to follow up again with, with his uh, Twitter information, you can find him at Aishiteru Tokyo at A-I-S-H-I-T-E-R-U-T-O-K-Y-O. Um, Dan, thanks again so much. And with that, there's not much more to say about Shinji Kagawa other than please do look out for him on the pitch in our upcoming match. Besiktas will be hosting Bursaspor on Saturday, February 9th at 11 a.m. here in New York City, which I believe means, again, a 5 p.m. match in Istanbul. 4 p.m. for you guys in Central Europe, Khan, and the like. And yeah, I, of course, we can all look forward to seeing Shinji Kagawa on the pitch after his, uh, after his wonderful debut performance. And we'll see if he's starting. We can all hope for the best. Uh, I'd personally love to see him starting at the number 10 slot with Ljajic on the on the left wing. Maybe Lenz on the right side. But knowing Chanel Gunesh will likely see Quaresma back into the starting 11 now that his suspension is over. So anyway, keep my fingers crossed. For the Black Eagles podcast, I think I'm going to have to take us out on that note. Stay tuned, of course, for our post-match review on Saturday or Sunday. Again, the match is Saturday morning for those of us here on the East Coast of the United States of America. Uh, 11 a.m., 5 p.m. in Istanbul. And yeah, taking us out. Follow us at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow our flagship, the mothership, at Besiktas I under uh, at Besiktas underscore INT. Besiktas International has all the latest news, keeping you guys up to date on everything Besiktas related 24-7. Got a team of goons living on all sides of the Atlantic Ocean, tweeting away, keeping you guys informed. For me, you can follow me at Sir underscore writes underscore a lot. You can follow Khan at Rosarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. Again, why not give Mr. Orlowitz one more plug? Follow him at Aishiteru Tokyo at A-I-S-H-I-T-E-R-U-T-O-K-Y-O. And let all your friends know about the sensation that is the Black Eagles podcast. Signing out. Seeing on here. As always, go Besiktas. See you guys this weekend.
Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.